This is my last uh, sermon on heaven on this series, a four-part series on heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place, full of glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a marvelous, heaven is a wonderful, heaven is a glorious place. Nobody asked me to sing, so. I love heaven, love thinking about heaven, talking about heaven. I often do, often in the Bible about heaven. I think it's a good subject for you to dwell on because that's where you're going as a born-again believer. The first part I preached on, we will worship in heaven without restrictions. Part two was we will fellowship in heaven without divisions. Wow. My wife and I will finally agree. That's a thought, isn't it? That's a thought. Opposites attract, you know. Third part was last week was we will learn in heaven without hindrances. Wow. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to learn. Learning is work. It's tough. You got to go over it. Memorize the scripture. You got to go over and over and you make mistakes and you get pause and you get blank and you can't remember and you go back over and you just got to keep pushing it in and pushing it in and pushing it in. Finally, once in a while, something will stick. By the grace of God. Tonight, today will be, we will rule, work, and rest in heaven without the curse. Some verses that deal with heaven. By the way, ruling sometimes offends people, the whole idea of ruling. Well, don't be offended. Ruling is management. And you have to have management. You need management. Everything in life, even among chickens, there's a manager. There's a head rooster. Uh, among dogs, there's a head dog. Uh, among an, most animal groups have, have a leader among them. A wolf pack has a leader among them. They have this is a natural thing. It's to have organization to get things done and do it right and in an orderly way, you have management. So the idea of ruling, ruling in heaven is really positive. It's a, it's a management position. It's not a ruthless dictatorship, but a benevolent management. Uh, I like it where no sin reigns to destroy the beauty of this kind of harmony. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. Daniel chapter 7, verse 27 is our text verse. If you want to look for it there in your Bibles, your iPads, your cell phones, or just listen. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions, that's all powers, shall serve and obey him, that is the Christ who is to come. Way back in Daniel, some 500 B.C., it talked about the time when the saints of God will basically take over, and sin will be gone. In 2 Timothy 2.12, it says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Revelation 2.26, it says, He that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10 says, And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. 
Revelation chapter 1, verse 6 says, He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now that, when it says the first, it doesn't mean one, two, three, four, five. It means first is a kind of resurrection. If you're born from above, you're saved, you're in the first resurrection. That doesn't mean one, two, three. It's not an order. It's a kind of resurrection. So blessed and holy is he that part in the first resurrection, the born again people, on such a second death had no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now that's a sampling of the scriptures, but there's many places in scripture that talk about the destiny of the children of God. This time on earth as a born-again believer is our incubation time. A woman gets pregnant, and she has a nine-month, 40-week incubation period, but the baby's alive. The baby's alive and, and kicking, and, he's, and, and there's movement there, and there's, there's, there's growth there. That's us here. We're alive in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We're kicking. We're, we're moving. But we're just a shadow of what we will be. The things that are made, prepared for them that love God, we cannot even imagine. No more than you could imagine a full a corn plant from one seed of corn. How could you think, if you never saw a corn plant before, how many here have seen a corn plant? God bless your soul. I come from northern Indiana where the corn would be seven, eight feet high. Now they make a genetically engineered corn that's only about four and a half, five feet high, puts more energy into making corn than it does making the green. I don't know if I'd want to eat it or not. Over whom shall we reign? When? Well, I believe our reigning, as the Bible talks about here, is after the tribulation period, during a thousand-year reign of Christ called the millennium. The millennium simply means a thousand. I believe six times mentioned in chapter 20 of Revelation, it speaks of this millennium, this thousand-year period that Christ is going to rule and reign with a rod of iron from Jerusalem over the whole world. And we're going to help him, we born-again believers. Whom will we reign over those who make it out of the tribulation period? Matthew 25 said there will be people make it out of the tribulation period and go into the millennium. I'm talking about people like you and me with mortal bodies. And those who make it will be those who did not believe the devil's lies even after he's released at the end of the thousand years. Some things we do not know really well but the Bible speaks of it, but we're not quite sure how to put it in, in line with prophecy is in Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, a thing called the restitution of all things. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom heaven must receive under the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. I looked the word up, restitution. It can mean restoration of all things. It can mean reconstitution of all things. It can mean rectification of all things. That's, you know, what happened in the fall was that God got cheated out of what he wanted for man. He created man so he could fellowship with us and walk with us in the evenings and fellowship with us and have pure 
uh, unabridged communion with us. But sin separates. The very nature of sin is a divider and a separator and an antagonizer. As soon as sin came in, it divided Adam from God and Eve from God. It divided their creation from God. That someday is going to be restored. It seems to be restored by God for all eternity. Christ is coming back in order to put in order all that was out of order. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Born-again believers, Bible believers, we have the most positive outlook on the future of anyone. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 through 9, if you want to take your Bible for that, look at it. It's the clearest place I find in all of Scripture when it speaks of the coming of Christ. When I was in Israel in 1992, my wife and I went to Israel on a three-week uh, history and archaeological tour. And we, were, we stayed for about three or four days, it seems like, on the Seven Arches Motel on the top of the Mount of Olives. Now, that's big if you know the Scripture, especially Zechariah chapter 14. We stayed on the top of the Mount of Olives. I could see the temple, the eastern gate. Christ is going to come, going to plant his feet on the Mount of Olives, going to go down into the eastern gate and take his rightful throne, his position. And as I was in, I'd go outside of the motel and I'd look up. I'd say, yeah, it'd be good now. I think I'm ready. By the grace of God, come on. But I mean, someday, well, let me read it. And his feet, that is Christ, his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall move north, and half of it shall move south. And you shall flee as in the valley, to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Aziel. Yea, you shall flee like you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Do you realize that phrase? This is Zechariah, Old Testament. It was referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. People try to deny the deity of Christ. So he was just a, a good man, or he was an angel created by God. No, no. He was God, manifest in the flesh. He can be no less. At least the testimony of scriptures is for sure. Look at this. He says, and the Lord my God. Elohim, Elohim, the, the, the first word used in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, shall come and all the saints with him. That's us. It's talking in Zechariah, I was long not born, and neither were you. He's talking about the saints of God, those who put their faith in Christ and mean it with all their heart. And get and get filled with the get baptized by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. They're born from above. They're born again, as Jesus talks about. They're going to someday come with the Lord Jesus Christ when He comes down and places His feet on the Mount of Olives. And it shall come to pass in that day the light shall not be clear nor dark, and it shall be one day that shall be known of the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. 
And shall be in that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them towards the former sea, half of them towards the hinder sea, in summer and in the winter. Let me explain. When this mountain, when this mountain divides part of it north and part of it south, there's going to be a spring, a river, a spring of river of living waters. Part of it's going to go to the Mediterranean Sea. Part of it's going to the Dead Sea. How many here have been to the Dead Sea? Yeah, it's dead. That's a great name for it. It's got so much salt in it that you can float vertically up to your waist. Now, that's amazing. You get in it and float vertically up to your waist. You can't hardly go under the water. If you've got any cuts on you or any abrasions on you, you'll know it. And so the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day, and there shall be one Lord and his name one. Won't you be thrilled at the unity of that whole thing? Right now there are thousands of people who believe thousands of different gods, of false gods. And that day there will be a unity finally. Boy, it's going to... Heaven is a wonderful place. We'll rule there. Ezekiel 47 reinforces this when it says in 47.10, It shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it, that is the Dead Sea, from Engedi to Anglim, and shall, and, and shall be a place to spread forth their nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds, and the fish as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. There are no fish in the Dead Sea now at all. No fish, no life in the Dead Sea. The salt's too strong, too much, too much. But that living water is when it flows down from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea. It's going to hit the Dead Sea and it's going to make it live again. It's going to make it the best fishing that you ever had. There'll be people, Ezekiel says it, Zechariah says it. We must reign over something or the whole term reign would be superfluous. Some facts about the thousand-year period. The resurrected saints will not reproduce again. If you've been born into this world and been saved in this time, then you're going to go to heaven. There will be no marriage in heaven. Say amen. <laughs> Matthew twenty-two thirty. I'm happily married. I'm just talking for you. For in the resurrection they shall neither marry nor are given in marriage, Jesus said, but are the angels of God in heaven. Luke 20, 35, but they which are be accounted worthy to obtain that world, that is the heavenly world, the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Humans in the thousand year period will produce as before the flood, I believe. Now will those folks in Matthew 25 that go through the sheep and goat judgment and are allowed to go into the millennial period, they're going to be human beings just like you? But God's going to change things during that thousand-year period. He's going to change the way of nature. He's going, to change, he's going to lighten up on the curse. And there'll be people that will produce. People evidently had a, a real, I mean, they produced a lot before the flood. There wasn't as much sickness. There wasn't as much death. There wasn't as much hindrance. They lived, man, before the flood, we know they lived up 900, I think Methuselah was 965 years old. That's old now. And they had strength. We know that they had strength during those times. They weren't old for a long time. They got old maybe like we did at the end of that thing, but they were strong. Isaiah 65, 20 through 25 said, There shall no more hence an infant of, be there a infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled these days. For a child shall die in a hundred years old. So if somebody dies at a hundred, they're considered a child. 
But the sinner shall at a hundred years old shall be a curse. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and shall eat the fruit of them. They shall not build another inhabit. They shall not plant another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. I thought I have in my notes here a redwood tree. I was out on the west coast, and I hope you go see the redwoods, or hope you do. It should be on your bucket list. Those redwoods, they core drill them. The younger redwoods are 2,500 years old. They're old. The life of these young people, so, so the aging process is going to be changed. They shall not labor in vain, in vain it says, for, uh, for trouble. The seed shall be blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. So they're going to have children. We know that from the Bible. The people that go into the millennial period are going to have children. And they're going to produce much more. Think about, think, think girls, your fertility time in this life may be only 25, 30 years. Maybe at the outset, I, I knew a woman had a baby at 53 years old, but she wasn't happy. <laughs> but the fertility time and baby having time of, 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 the lady, of the women who go in the millennial period is going to be extended to hundreds of years. Wow. I believe the pain of it will be rolled back. Not just the curse is going to be rolled back in. This Bible says, uh, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like a bullock, and the dust shall be the servant's meat, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. So we're going to rule in heaven. We're going to manage those people that go in the millennial period, the born-again believers are going to be part of that management process. It's going to be beautiful. The th second thing we're going to do in heaven, I found in the Bible, is we're going to work in heaven. Now, don't, don't get upset. You're not going to be on a cloud somewhere trying to play an instrument. Now, you may get assigned to play an instrument, but it, I couldn't stand to go to a place that I didn't have work. I love work. Work's what gets me up in the morning. What gives me hope is to be able to work. I've seen lots of people retire here in South Florida, and let me tell you, a lot of trouble happens after somebody's been intensely working and they've had their hands to the plow, and all of a sudden they retire and step back out of their management position, and the only management person they have to manage is their wife? Trouble. Trouble. They get bored out of their mind. Don't do that. Be involved in something else. Come to church, volunteer for something, get busy, do something for God. Use your retirement for Him. Work is not part of the curse. The sorrow in work is part of the curse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, when he, when he cursed him because he eaten the fruit, he says, thou, sh thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground of for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. So basically he says, the sorrow has been added to the work. Thorns and thistles, I did this for Tom Gillespie. Thorns and thistles, this is Genesis 3.18, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Now, you Gillespies know about thistles, don't you? You grandkids know about thistles? Yes, you do, don't you? Tom brings his grandkids and his kids, first his kids, up to his place in Kansas, and he has them pick thistles. Oh, what fun. <laughs> in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat thy bread. Oh, I know what that's about. You work here in South Florida, you sweat. 
but you work about anywhere. By the way, it's not cool up north in the summertime either. I've taken motorcycle trips up North Dakota at Highway 2 right below Canada where it was 105 degrees and we about died on those motorcycles. And I was upset thinking, when you go this far north, it should be cool. Well, we work with the sweat of our brow. That's all going to be gone. God is a worker, the Bible says. In John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus answered, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. The Bible says that he made everything. In the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. You look at the heavens, that took some, think, that took some thinking. He made all the bugs and the way they look. That took some, that took some architectural thinking and some drafting. Uh, he made all the animals. He made all the fish. That took some ingenuity, some thinking. It was work, good work, work without sorrow. You're going to be, you can't wait. I hope we don't sleep in heaven. That's a waste of time. We'll get up. We'll, I, there's no night there, so I don't think we're going to be sleeping much. We'll be. What can I do next? What's my next assignment? Great work is rewarded with greater work. Well, that's true here. My brother Todd Whiff worked for Sherman Williams for years, and he started out sweeping floors. I think he started out sweeping floors over in Miami area. And he did a good job of sweeping floors or whatever you did. And they promoted you to the next position. And you did a good job at that. Great work promotes you to greater work. And pretty soon they made him a store manager. And I'm just, I don't know whether this is true or not. I'm just, I'm just assuming part of this is true. I know generally his history, but not specifically. So let's say he made him a store manager. And then after store manager, they made him a regional manager. And after regional manager, they made him a state manager. And after state manager, they made him a whole region manager. Great work promotes you to greater work. That's, that's, that's the principle. Luke chapter 19, the parable of the pounds. The guy said, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. Here's what Jesus said. Well, thou good as servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. In other words, his good work produced greater work. So when you go to heaven, we're going to work. The work you do in the bus route, brother, is a faithful work. You do a faithful work, put, keep your hand to the plow, don't look back. And when you get to go to heaven, God's going to say, you were faithful in a little, I'm going to make you ruler over much. But it's without sin. Beautiful, beautiful. By the way, I hate to say this to the progressives out there, there will not be equality in heaven. But capitalism, where a person is rewarded for their work. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, if you don't believe that. Every man's work shall be made manifest as the judgment seat of Christ. For the day shall declare it, for it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort or quality it is. So everybody's going to have a different quality of work. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. That's capitalism. If any man's work is burned, in other words, they didn't do a very good job, they weren't faithful, he shall suffer loss, be diminished. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So the way it works in the judgment seat of Christ for the born-again believer, 
you're going to be judged by the amount of opportunity that you had, the amount of light you were given. Everybody's going to be judged fairly equally because God is a God of justice. If you goofed off, if you had your Bible, you didn't read it. If you had your Bible and read it but didn't follow it, you didn't pay very close attention to what God had cared about. You cared about the things of this earth. You got choked by the thorns, you know, the cares of this world, the riches of this world, choked out the will of God in your life, and you gave world priority over God. You're going to stand before Jesus, and your, your, your works will be put in a pile, and they'll be burned up by the fire of God, and they'll have nothing left. And the Bible says you'll suffer loss. Why? Because you're going to realize that that's what really counted and that's what made a difference for all eternity, and you missed it. And you, you, you put all your efforts and your time and your sweat in this world without giving respect to the next world that God said he wanted you to be in. Now you're born again. You're saved. <clears throat> but we'll be rewarded according to our work. We shall rest in heaven. So we're going to reign in heaven, we're going to work in heaven, and we're going to rest in heaven. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 is interesting. Actually, verse 8 through 11. It says in verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 11, let us labor. Let us labor. Now is the time to labor. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall short. Example of unbelief. As the older I get, the harder it is to do what I used to do. We got an amen on that? I'm getting tired of brushing my teeth. I'm getting tired of flossing. I hate flossing with a passion, but I do it every day. Because I hate the results of not flossing. I don't like putting deodorant on. I get up in the morning almost dreading the whole, the whole process. I got to get up. Why? My energy level is lower and lower and lower. And as you lose your energy level, things that didn't bother you years ago and were easy for you to do and you didn't even think about it, you just boom, boom, boom. Now it's an effort. Do I, do I speak the truth? That's why you young people need to seek the Lord while he may be found. And why you got the energy to heed the call. Do it with all your might while you got it. So, I get it. I'm looking forward to heaven where there's a rest for the people of God. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to sit around, you know, this on the cloud. We're going to work we're going to have, we're going to have a, a management positions to do what he wants us to do, whatever he wants us to do. We're going to have work to do. I believe we're going to build and construct and make and produce because God is that way. He's a builder. He's a constructor. He's a, he's a maker. And we're in the image of Christ. The Bible says we'll be like him. We'll see him as he is. Well, that means there's going to be more than just visual appearance likeness. We're, his nature and his being is going to be like ours. We're going to, in fact, God's goal for us is to manifest Christ in us. Why would it be different in heaven? And so we're going to reign with him. We're going to work with him. And we're going to rest with him. 
It's interesting that God, when he made everything, made the seventh day a day of rest. Day of rest. Even God, this before the fall, made the seventh day a day of rest. He says it's time to rest. It's time to work. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season. Where, where, is, the, where is Jensen at? Yeah, to everything there is a season, brother. Turn, turn, turn. There's a purpose, everything under heaven. We shall reign, we shall work, we shall rest. Jesus in chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You that are in this room or in by the sound of my voice, whether it's over the internet, you never know where this thing goes. It goes all over the world through the internet. Are you in labor and sorrow and pain right now? Because you've been laboring in this world or laboring against your own self because trying to fulfill your pleasure, you never find it. Trying to seek satisfaction, you never find it. The secret is in seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the, he is the holder. He says, come unto me, all you that labor. The word labor means toil and pain. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, the things that I ask you to do, take them upon you. Learn of me. Pay attention. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. Oh, it's sweet to be saved. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You say, preacher, rest from what? Well, rest from sin. Rest from sorrow. Rest from pain. Rest from evil that vexes us. Rest from limitations due to the curse. Rest from injustice. I'm so, I'm vexed because of what I see. Uh, rest from violence. Rest from fear. Rest from the horror of death. Free, free at last from the labor and sorrow of this life to truly understand what rest is. I believe it is Randy Alcorn, I believe, wrote a book on heaven. 700 pages, one statement out of it that I got was really impacted me was he said, when, when you finally get to go to heaven, it'll be the first time you feel at home. I don't feel at home here. but I will in heaven and so will you. It's not a cessation of work, but work without weariness. Work without agony. True rest. How beautiful heaven must be, must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. Don't miss it. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for letting us in on it. 
We pray that anybody here and the sound of my voice does not know for sure when they die where they're going to spend eternity. Today they can know. They can know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, heaven as only God could make it. I pray that you would seek the Lord Jesus for salvation. If you're here with us now, we're here to help you. We'd like to show you the gospel. It won't take long. God's already been calling on you, been through a hundred different ways, been calling on you. The song of the mockingbird attests that there's a God. The sunsets in the evening attest there is a God that loves you, and indeed, He gave Himself for you. Why don't you trust Him as your personal Savior? Christian, shame on us where we lose a vision of this. Shame on us where we put our effort in totality in this world. And we hang on to this stuff like it's permanent when we know from looking around, we know that every one of us gives it up at death. Help us to labor for a treasure that cannot be stolen. We're rust, we're thief, where nothing can touch it. Put our treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.